Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, welcome to yet another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I am once again your host, Daniel Mallory Ortberg, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. This week, my guest is Portia Alon, a teen librarian based in Oakland, California. A friend once described her as farm strong. Here's our first letter. There's a lot of, like, um, parenting of queer youth today stuff, which is great because both of us have no children. No children. Um, but I can certainly imagine ways in which I would have loved to have been parented as a queer youth. We're parenting ourselves. Exactly. Becoming our own loving parents. If you would please be so good. Subject, boy crazy. Dear Prudence, my son, 15, was nonverbal until he was five, and his communication skills slash overall development have sometimes taken a more meandering but rich and adventurous path. I speak to him neutrally and openly about genders and partner choices. I have a sex book with plenty of healthy information for sex education. My public stance has been that his romantic preferences are for him to know and for us to find out when he's ready. But this boy is boy crazy ever since he was three. He has very specific types of other boys he's openly interested in, never girls, and we're currently working on how to give each appropriate person space, choices, and boundaries. Would he be better served if I talked about him meeting a boy someday or having a boyfriend as opposed to having a partner? His puberty is developing much faster than he can articulate sometimes. I'm always open and positive when he starts talking about a boy he sees online from things like train enthusiast YouTube channels. I live in a place where we have amazing help and acceptance. We're really lucky. Still, autism makes the road tougher for a kid struggling to find where he belongs in the world. Would talking about his interests in boys openly and positively make it easier for him, or should I just keep it neutral until he is able to articulate his preferences or introduce us to his date-slash-partner, regardless of how long that takes? So there's a lot that's really lovely here. Mm-hmm. And I I just mostly think that it's really, really great that you are spending a lot of time thinking about, like, how do I affirm my kid? And, you know, how can I communicate back? Like, I'm noticing a pattern and I think it's good. Um, and I do think sometimes there can be a f- like, I think sometimes parents of potentially queer or potentially trans kids are so worried about over affirming. Like, it's OK. You don't have to know. You don't have to figure it out. It could still be anything that sometimes they emphasize that well past the point of like reason where it's like, actually, your kid's given you some pretty clear signals where their interest lies. Um, and it would be totally reasonable for you to say like a boyfriend or a guy. Um, but there's this like, no, 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 we must say all the time. It could be anything. It could be anything that eventually it could be like, what do I have to say to get you people to acknowledge the fact that I'm a boy who likes boys? I mean, I, that's what I wrote on my paper. I wrote, I think he has told you. If he's been boy crazy since three and never interested in girls. Yeah. And again, that doesn't mean that you wouldn't <laughs> be prepared if that later shifted. I'm sure you'd be able to roll with that really well. But yeah, just just saying things like. If you get a boyfriend or your next boyfriend or, you know, it's cool that you like boys, um, none of that would be you reading too much into the situation. None of that would be like ignoring other clues. Um, yeah, I, I think he would be better served if you talk to him about meeting a boy someday. Um, I think you've already done plenty of whatever you need, whatever you want, 
whatever you end up being is fine. He's already gotten that message. And I think it's cool to switch to talking about boys for a little while. I agree completely. I Yeah. I, <laughs> he likes boys. Yeah. He really likes boys. You're not adding anything to the conversation. I, it sounds like you're already, you know, spending a lot of time thinking about how you can be there for your kid, how you can both like teach boundaries um, and appropriate behavior and also to affirm and encourage uh, interests of his that um, feel exciting and meaningful. And I think you can throw boys into that category, too. Like it's just totally appropriate, totally age appropriate, totally reasonable. Congratulations on uh, your cool gay son. Yeah. I would also say, you say his puberty is developing much faster than he can articulate. I think that's a lot of 15-year-old boys. <laughs> and yeah. probably 15-year-old girls, too. Yes, yes. I think that that is an excellent, excellent point. That is just classic adolescence right there in a nutshell. Yeah, and I would just encourage you to keep having those conversations with him about space and choices and boundaries, maybe thinking about what he, you know, it's time to start thinking about if he wanted a boyfriend, what would be the things he would look for in a boyfriend? Mm -hmm. Those would be good conversations to have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those are all fantastic, uh, like, topics of conversation that I think it's totally age-appropriate to start introducing now. And, yeah, I think, um, yeah, that, that, like, should I keep it neutral until he brings somebody home? I think sometimes people think that that's the best way of handling it. And I wouldn't say that that's, wrong exactly but sometimes i think what you could communicate is like boy i talk about boys all the time and my parents act like i don't so there must be something wrong with talking about boys because i keep saying it and they ignore it or they're hoping they're hoping that the it could be anyone is actually going to turn out to be a girl right right and i don't think that that's exactly what you wanted to communicate to your kid so i think yep go ahead and acknowledge he likes boys uh, so on the um other end of the scale, we've got a classic gal-pal conundrum. Mm -hmm. Just the problem of gals who are pals. The subject is, in love with my best pal. Dear Prudence, I am a 34-year-old woman, and until recently I've considered myself heterosexual. After my last relationship ended about five months ago, I found myself attracted to my best pal. My friend has hooked up with men and women in the past, but has only had relationships with men. We've been inseparable since my relationship ended. We talk every day and have been away on holiday together recently. We also say, I love you most days. I've told her I think I might be bisexual and I'm interested in exploring relationships with women, but I haven't told her that I'm specifically attracted to her. To be honest, I think I might be in love with her. Her response was that she said she would support and love me whatever I want to do. We haven't really spoken about it since. I've tried to indicate that I'm interested in something more with her through physical touch and a few comments here and there, but I've received a mixed bag of responses, and I also don't want to cross a line that she doesn't want to be crossed. One of our mutual friends recently commented to both of us that we are basically a couple, and my pal's response was something along the lines of, our friendship transcends a relationship. I didn't say anything. I don't know whether to confess my true feelings and risk the friendship or to carry on bottling up how I really feel to see if she figures it out and slash makes a move. Should I just be content with a lovely friendship and go explore romantic connections with other women and men? Well, congratulations on learning this new thing about yourself. Yes. Did this uh, resonate in any way? Have you ever had a version <laughs> of this relationship in your own life? I actually haven't. I'm uh, pretty strictly either you're a friend or you're not a friend. You're romantic. Well, well done at maintaining that distinction. Yeah. Um, I think it, this is 
This is a complicated one. And the question that I wrote underneath this letter is, could you be content with a lovely friendship? If that's mm-hmm. what what you just ch- letter writer, if you just chose. And it sounds like maybe not. Yeah, it does seem like you're reaching a point where the level of connection um, and the frequency and the intensity of your intimacy with this woman is reaching an unsustainable point. Um, you know, you're at this point pretty sure you're in love with her. The like the leveling up and in intimacy you've done over the last five months. It's not like you've been doing this for years and years and you feel super comfortable. It's very like it's producing a lot of strong and intense feelings in you. You're dropping a lot of hints. You're hoping that she's going to pick up on one of them eventually. When other people make comments about how close you two seem, you're kind of biting your nails. Like, is this it? Is this when we finally like go from gal pals to you know canoodling? Um, and and so I do think it would be worth taking a little gamble here and naming what you see as your new dynamic and um, getting a clear answer because I think it will feel really good to have a clear answer rather than to go back and forth about sometimes she seems receptive sometimes she doesn't should I just wait and hope that she makes a move I don't think that's going to be the way through this no I think that if she had wanted to make a move if she was sure about her feelings and sure about your feelings I think she would have made a move by now right and I don't know if it has to do with the fact that she hasn't been in a relationship with a woman before, so maybe she feels really anxious about that. Uh, It may be that she's not super aware of all of her own feelings right now. It may be that she feels great about the friendship but doesn't want to take that last, you know, jump across the line. I don't know, but I think at this point you have enough – you have enough built-up trust and and support and closeness that if you were to say – hey, this feels risky and I, you know, might be misreading the situation, but it's not just that I might be okay with dating women. I would love to go out sometime. And if you didn't feel the same way, let me know and I will, you know, take a little space, get over it, and I would love to go back to being friends. But I I would feel um, pretty sad if I never asked because I think that there's some real potential here for something amazing. And, you know, she is a trustworthy-sounding person. She cares about you. Um, She is not indifferent to you or your feelings. If you take that risk and she says, sorry, no, it will be painful, but you will not die. No. Um, And it will be good because then you'll have clarity and you can take a little space and, you know, take care of your tender heart that feels a little hurt. um, And then, you know, eventually try some other people. But I think if you just sit around waiting and hoping, you Aval won't ever want to try stuff with other men and women because you're going to want to hope that one day she eventually turns around and says, my God, it's you. It's always been you. Or if you do explore romantic connections with other men and women, everybody's going to feel a little a little cheated. Yeah, they're going to be like, so what's going on between the two of you? <laughs> and you'll be like, nothing yet. <laughs> um, and like, you know, having been in that situation. Having also been in that situation. Yeah, I am. Um, Wish I'd figured it out a little sooner. Um, But yeah, I I think you're saying I love you most days. You're saying, boy, I sure might be interested in dating women. You can go ahead and ask. I don't I don't think she's going to be shocked. Like, what? Where's this coming from? I had no idea. No, I mean, especially if you've been talking every day, going on holiday together. You're already building your lives around your relationship with one another. Yeah, it's absolutely fine to, to ask for a DTR. 
All right. You get to read this next one. This next one. Subject. I'm ashamed of my unusual ankles. Dear Prudence, I have an inherited and fairly rare condition that makes my body store fat differently from many people. Because of this, I've had swollen ankles since I was a teenager. Friends teased me about them, not kindly, and my mother, who has the same body type, used to mock me for them. I'm a feminist, and I believe in celebrating your body for what it allows you to do, not just for what it looks like. I love my round stomach, my stretch marks, and my body hair. But these are all things other women have, and often have openly. No one is proud of having large ankles. Even typing this out makes me feel so disgusted with myself, which makes me feel like a bad feminist. My lower body makes me feel so ashamed that I can't go to the beach with friends, and I find myself trying to cover up my legs during sex. I'm in my 20s and have a lot of life left to live in this body. How can I stop feeling so mortified? So one of the things that I felt here is that the burden of, like, because I'm a feminist, I I now have to feel proud of every single part of my body all the time or else I'm failing, not just at having, like, an ideal body, but also at being a feminist. That's just too much pressure to put on yourself. It's like double shame. I would like to give you permission to have, like, begrudging acceptance about some of your body parts or to say sometimes, like, I feel bad about this one. And when that moment comes up, when that feeling comes up, I will pay attention. I will treat myself kindly, but I will not try to, like, force my mind to produce relentless positivity because that, I think, is a misunderstanding of what the whole idea about various kinds of body acceptance is. Um, And it's just exhausting to try to control your own thoughts like that. I don't think everybody loves every part of their body every single day. Right. Good feminist or bad feminist. I think we all have moments where, you know, maybe it's begrudging acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, Or maybe it varies a lot. Like, I just think that that standard of if I am a good feminist... I feel good about my body at all times. Um, And if I lapse from that standard, uh, it means that I am failing to overcome, you know, the evil world that has torn me down about my body. And now I'm the problem twice. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a problem for failing to discipline my body and I'm a problem for failing to discipline my mind and self-esteem. And so that just to me seems like a recipe for never making progress, always feeling guilty and like you're doing something wrong. And I don't want that for you. No, I think you need to let go, let go of both of the shames, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. So what to me, what that means is saying I have a complicated relationship with my ankles. A lot of that has to do with the fact that my uh, apparently my friends kind of gave me shit about them constantly, as well as my mom, who is a person who often looms very large in terms of how we think about our bodies and ourselves and what's acceptable and what's not. So, you know, when you say, like, I have a hard time with my ankles, that makes sense to me. I can see where that comes from. Um, And so just say, like, I have a difficult relationship with my ankles. Sometimes I cannot work my way up to celebrating my body. Um, I can maybe sit and think some nice things about what my ankles can do. But all that that does is make me feel like, all right, my ankles work. Fine. That's the most I can do today. You know, put on some nice socks. And then if that if you still feel bad about your ankles, give yourself permission to feel bad. I, I don't want to encourage you to take that real far in the other direction and say, like, yeah, just freely and uncritically hate your body and, and have a great time. That's the best thing. But give yourself permission to only be able to treat your ankles gently and not to think about them gently. That is OK. 
Yeah, I think being able to name, today, I don't feel good about my ankles. That, like, puts it sort of almost as a separate, you're not even inside the feeling anymore. You've just named it. Yeah. Um, thing I wrote down on my paper was ankle socks. I thought about those little, did you have those little socks as a child yeah. with the fold over? And yeah. sometimes they had little, the little beading ruffle. and yeah. the ruffle. Yeah. Um, I also wondered if you've gotten to a place with your friends and with your sex partners that this is something you can articulate. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think so much of body shame comes from a sense that our anxieties have to stay hidden mm-hmm. um, and that we are the only ones who feel this way about our body. But if everybody else saw this part of our body, they would feel the same way, too. And I think the fact is that probably your sex partners and hopefully your friends now don't find your ankles unattractive. Yeah. In fact, they may not even notice your ankles. Um, I also have some body insecurities. And I just remember somebody very curtly saying to me, nobody cares. Yeah. Which I sometimes have found reassuring and I have sometimes felt found brutal. And so it kind of <laughs> depends. But yeah, it, it is helpful, I think, to remember, like, I, I think the the way that your friends teased you at a very formative age and the way your mom dealt with it kind of gave you the impression that everyone in the world is monitoring you this closely this much of the time. I do think that that was that's not the case. I think you had, you know, adolescence is a time when everyone is hyper, hyper aware of their own or perceived flaws. And they try to work out that anxiety by, you know, making all their friends feel self-conscious. Ideally, as adults, we find different ways of dealing with our insecurities. Um, But so, yeah, I would start with, like, if you can tell your sex partners about it, that might be nice. Also, give yourself permission. If you sometimes cover up your legs because that makes you feel comfortable enough to have sex, that does not mean that you are like a bad actor or you are sacrificing your integrity just to get through something and you should be ashamed of that now. Absolutely not. I think and I hope that you can find a way to go to the beach with your friends Mm -hmm. in a way that feels comfortable without feeling like I have to go all out, you know, maybe you find some cute socks that you wear to the beach. Yeah. Yeah. And if sometimes that means like, I don't feel comfortable telling my partner about this yet, but I want to, that's cool. Um, if you want to keep your damn legs, legs covered during sex, go for it. It does not mean that the sex you are having is somehow like inauthentic um, or or not, you know, full of enough self-love. Um, it would be great if you could eventually say to a partner, like, I feel really self-conscious about my ankles. Some days are easier than others. Maybe someday I could imagine us like sitting together and you like resting a hand on my leg, but that also sets off every alarm bell in my body. So like maybe not either. And just putting that forth as not either if you don't do this, you hate yourself or um, I can never, ever do this. It would be the end of me. Just name it as like something you may someday decide to try. And if you don't, it doesn't mean that your partners don't know you. It doesn't mean that you don't generally like yourself and like your body. It is okay to feel self-conscious, I think, is mostly what I'm trying to drive at here. And you're not a bad feminist. Yeah. You're not even a bad 20-something person. Like, this is super, super uh, – yeah, I, I guess I just mostly feel like the idea that you have to not just like your body all the time but feel proud and celebrate it, to me, sounds fucking exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. Um. And I, I hope that not too many people are putting that forward as, like, the idea of, like, that should be the goal. Obviously, you're worth celebrating. Obviously, your body is worth taking pride in. But that does not mean your job is to be a relentless positivity circus 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no time off. Like, you're allowed to feel complicated. You're allowed to feel 
angry. You're allowed to feel messy. You're allowed to like parts of yourself better than others. You're allowed to feel impatient. Like that's just being a human person in a body and it's hard. Bodies are complicated and they're going to be complicated for your whole life. You know, maybe now it feels like your ankles. Maybe later it'll feel like something else. Mm -hmm. And the goal is just to keep in conversation with the body. That's the one. Take the body with you. You got to take it with you, as they say in The Music Man. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on that episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 